Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. One of my favorite passages in all of Shakespeare comes from one of my favorite plays in Shakespeare, which is Henry V, which is uh, a fascinating and brilliant study on leadership. Highly recommend the movie if you haven't seen Kenneth Branagh's version of it or the text, of course. But Henry has led his troops into battle in France, and they've been through one just hellish thing after another, casualties, loss, bloodshed, then just sickness, weariness, fatigue, rain, foul weather, cold. And one night he puts on kind of a, almost like a disguise. He cloaks himself in a commoner's cloak and he just moves in and among the campfires of his troops basically to bring encouragement but also to kind of see how guys are doing. And he's coming out of a conversation that he's overheard and where the guys are um, – pardon my expression but I need to use it because every leader is going to experience it. They're bitching <laughs> about the conditions. They're bitching about the leadership decisions You know, all of that. And Henry says this. He says, we must bear all. He's by himself now, and he's reflecting on what does a leader bear? And he says, oh, we bear all. Upon the king, let us lay our lives, our souls, our debts, our careful wives, our children, and our sins. Let us lay them all on the king. And it's all his fault. He's got to account for all of this, right? And he goes on to say, oh, hard condition." twin-born with greatness, subject to the breath of every fool. What infinite heart's ease must kings neglect that private men enjoy. I'm John Eldridge. Welcome back to kind of part two of a conversation Craig and I are having on the cost of leadership, and this is the last in a what's turned into a 10-part series on leadership, but we got into part nine on the cost of leadership, and we just realized we've got more to say and just couldn't cut you all off at that point. So we begin today's with the quote from Henry V. Yeah. I immediately was thinking of Nehemiah, the battle with those outside the the camp, the enemies, the visible, clear, self-defined enemies, and then the bitching from within. And, ah, ah. I mean, just the discouragement, and you're kidding me. They're complaining about the temperature of the beer when we're in this epic thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So friends, (laughs) friends, part of the cost, clearly, of leadership are things like envy and jealousy Mm -hmm. and criticism. And again, pardon the language, but nothing else quite describes it like pick a uni bitching. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a cost because it's a cost in and of itself, but it's a cost also because you don't get to respond like you'd like to. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, Craig? Yeah. Yeah. You're onto something there. Oh. You... Sons of thunder. Right. 
Right. Oh, the choice comments. Oh, the brilliant replies. <laughs> oh, the scathing emails or devastating sermons that you could give. Thank you, John, for your holiness and restraint. <laughs> Thank you. But it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal because on the one hand, you're subject to the breath of every fool, as Henry says, and you cannot, you cannot, you cannot retaliate. Holiness requires that you don't. Leadership requires that you don't. But there's something else that's going on there, and it's so um, – Stace and I just had this epiphany this week of – we talked earlier about offense. Mm-hmm. Offense. Right, which is this fueling thing of bitching, judgment, envy, jealousy, you know, just this spirit of offense. I have been wronged, you know, and that you understand that that's the enemy. Mm-hmm. That's his spirit. I have been wronged. That led him in his initial rebellion against the Trinity. Right? That he was cheated of some greater role he deserved or recognition or power or adoration or I ought to be the leader. I mean you understand this is this has the fumes of the breath of hell around it. Yes. And this spirit of offense is so easy to give way to. And here was the epiphany we came to. So there are some people who are offended at us. <laughs> no big surprise at that. We're in leadership. That's any leader is. Uh-huh. Okay. So but what we had given way to was this subtle – we had made agreement with offense by mm. being offended that they were offended at us. Do you see how that works? Oh, like, yeah. man, they have no right to that and kind of a sort of what feels like a very righteous indignation <laughs> at their offense. But then you're sucked into the exact same thing and that spirit gets mm-hmm. in. The enemy hates following. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing about him that likes following the pride, the arrogance, the entitlement, right? And so he's obviously constantly working within, you know, family systems, churches, corporations, communities, whatever the group is. Yes. Whatever the group is. He's working in there with this offense and, you know, whether it's jealousy or entitlement or envy and, and gang, like, you don't get to retaliate. You don't get to respond like with like, right? John, so what did you and Stacy do? That light goes on and ka-ching. Immediate repentance. You mm-hmm. have to go immediately to repentance because we were beginning to get hammered by it mm-hmm. and we were letting it into the system, right? Mm-hmm. And so renouncing the agreements that we'd made with offense, forgiving once again the very real offenses yes. that have been done against us. It's not minimizing. Again, forgiveness is never minimizing the sin against you. It's just saying the cross is enough, the cross is enough, the cross is enough. And so immediately repenting of it and then also binding it, mm-hmm. binding that spirit, whatever it is. And leaders, you're going to have to get really good at this. Like be cunning with what's trying to get in. You are the watchman. You know, what is trying to get into the system? Wow, is there pride here? First, we renounce pride because you have to do that first yourself and then bind it. Bind it from what you have authority over. We forbid to let that into 
you know, our realm, our kingdom. So personal repentance, rejecting any place we've given it. I also want to add something else, though, that's going to be really helpful to leaders on this. You understand that things like envy, jealousy, judgments work like curses on you. Mm. They're not only sins. They are vehicles and vessels of spiritual oppression to you. I've noticed, for example, that envy allows in a lot of ravaging and devouring against you because envy is saying, not only do I wish I had that, I wish you didn't. Yeah. You know, And so the enemy gets in to steal through that. So you will want on a regular basis to bring the cross of Jesus Christ, and this is what we also did, you bring the cross of Jesus Christ against that. You've got to cut off judgments. As a leader, you've got to cut off judgments from you. You cut off envy, jealousy, criticism, not to the human beings. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. In your private prayer time, in your car, as you're praying, I bring the cross of Jesus Christ against so-and-so and the way they're judging me. I break the power of those judgments by the cross of Jesus so that they can't act like curses against you, so that they can't allow the enemy in. Yes, yeah. One of the things you're hitting on there too, John, I think is the leader recognizing that followers don't want to follow. And one of the realities of the cost is how much personal attention you have to give to people you're leading. I mean, you've got to know there's a whole bunch of them don't want to follow you and they're looking for an out and they're hurt and yada, yada, yada. And it's like just the weight of what it takes to move a group of people somewhere. I mean, the attention to things, frankly, that either can be distracting or necessary, but the leader's tempted. I don't want to spend time doing this. Yes, yes. And so again, and what gets in with that, Craig, is that little snarkiness on your part <laughs> that, you know, suddenly you're bitching, you know, if not openly, then privately, yes. cynicism, resignation, yes. right? And so we're back to holiness, yeah. right? I mean, leading people is a mess. Leading people is so messy. And advancing the kingdom while you're leading people is an unbelievably brutal affair. So on one hand, you have the brutality of the savage war, and on the other hand, you have the messiness of the people. This is going to require holiness. Yes. So more notes from our journals. Um, Clearly, you understand by now that this is beyond a human being. Mm -hmm. This is beyond human strength. This is going to bring you into a whole new appreciation to... Christ in me, help me with this. Christ in me, give me a supernatural graciousness with Mm -hmm. people. Christ in me, give me the grace one more time to forgive. Christ in me, give me the strength to make hard decisions. Christ in me, help me handle the casualties and the cost of this. This is going to require Christ in you, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, if anything else, leadership is going to take you into this wonderful place with God. Um, Just asking ourselves, what does leadership require of us? It is going to require overlooking so much. You can't chase down every person's brokenness Mm -hmm. and deal with it until they're completely well. You can't chase down every piece of gossip. You know, you can't chase down 
you know, every little bitch and betrayal. You just can't. You can't chase down those things. You're just going to have to overlook so much, which is the beauty of that scene yes. where Henry's moving among his, his troops. There's just a graciousness about him just overlooking so much of what's being said wrongly, unfairly about his decisions and his style of leadership. And you're just going to have to overlook a lot. You overlook a lot, John, because there's this core confidence that what you're doing is of God. God is in it. You're listening to him. And that much of what God is doing is on a level that you can't see. So beneath the crabbing and griping and all of that is a belief that that God's at work in ways that's building, that's progressive. I may not see right now, but I'm clinging to he's at work here. Micromanaging, controlling isn't the act of a leader. And one of the greatest things you're going to have to overlook is betrayal. Mm -hmm. I mean, friends, in humility, I just kind of almost want to take my shoes off right now. If Jesus was betrayed... I mean, he said no servant is greater than his master. If this was something he had to deal with, do we really think we're going to escape it? If Paul was betrayed, and he was, you know, do we really think it's going to happen? At some point or another, there will be betrayal. And this is a great test of leadership, of how you handle it. Again, this knife edge of... You have to make the hard calls. Mm-hmm. You have to make the difficult and unpopular decisions. But at the same time, that doesn't give you pride, arrogance, entitlement to just dismiss people, blow them off, be unforgiving yourself. You know, the ability to navigate betrayal where certain people may need to be asked to leave. You know, this often happens in church fellowships. Certain people that feel very entitled in the company or or in the team need to be, you know, first confronted and then probably dismissed. The hard decisions and, again, spirit of betrayal would love to get in and binding that and forgiving betrayals that do take place Mm -hmm. against you, forgiving the betrayal. And, you know, it's just – it's going to happen – it's going to require strong, loving leadership in it. Well, so much of what you're hitting on, we've hit on, is simply that you step into the arena of leadership and you're stepping into a, kind of a fast track to holiness in terms of just the simple commands of Scripture, just get in and up, double down, forgiveness, loving your enemies, yeah. be merciful, kind. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean you tolerate it. Right. It doesn't mean you allow it to infect the entire tribe. Right. Okay? That's not what we're saying. But it does mean there's no place that you give it in your own heart. Resentment, right? Some sort of justified thing of they betrayed me. I'm right to judge them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, another great test of your holiness, yeah, just of your character and in your walk with God is the cost of leadership. What do you do when you're not successful? You know, what do you do when you've poured your heart and soul into something and and it doesn't produce the kind of outcomes, results, you know, it doesn't get the applause, it doesn't get the, the fruitfulness. Yeah. What do you do with that, Craig? You know, just you saying that, I remember 
remember a couple that had spent their life in uh, mission work in a Muslim country, and they saw no fruit whatsoever of their 45, 50 years in this country. Now, the next generation begin to see some, and of course, they're laboring in a field that's just so difficult. But I remember, this was decades ago, I just remember being so impressed with, oh my gosh, they haven't seen any fruit. How do you keep going? Mm -hmm. You know, assuming it's of God, that God's in it, that they're laying some foundation. It feels like apart from a confidence that you are doing God's will, that he is in this, he's led and directed you, and that the joy and the satisfaction, the peace ultimately can only come from him. And especially given that the sower and the seed, you know, one out of four is going to be fruitful. It's your batting average is pretty low as a leader. Right. And coming to grips and peace and finding something in Christ that you can only find in him. Yep. So it just feels like everything about leadership drives you back to God. You can't do it. And that's a good thing, gang. I mean, we really want to frame this. The larger perspective is that's a really good thing, that this shapes your character, that this brings you into a deeper holiness, that this causes you to deal with your own need for love, validation, comfort, you know, disentangle that from people and your projects and bring that to God. This is good. This is good. The the privilege of leadership, the honor of it, the sense of great is your reward in heaven really takes on all kinds of new just color, richness, texture, dimension, those kind of promises in Scripture and the intimacy that this requires with God the level of dependence of, I give this branch back to the vine. Only the vine can produce the kind of fruit through me that's needed in my position. That's a great way to live. Everybody's supposed to live there, but, you know, kind of a casual, self-centered life doesn't really force you to, you know. So this is a good thing. We want to frame all of this in the context of, richness and mm-hmm. beauty and honor and goodness to this and a life that's more and more just totally given over to God. Mm-hmm. There's a beauty to that that nothing else comes close to. So much more to say, as always. But we're going to bring this series in for a landing. Hope you have enjoyed it. We're going to turn this into a Ransomed Heart resource down the road. So you'll want to keep an eye out for that so you can go back through the series and listen to it, share it with friends, share it with those who you know are in leadership. Hope you have enjoyed this um, as we now are in the month of December. And so you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart podcast with John Eldridge and Craig McConnell.